Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. Thank you for tuning in this week. This is a place where I talk about health and wellness and biohacking and everything that I am going through on my own health journey. These Friday episodes are now dedicated to women's health, female forward Fridays, female first Fridays, whatever you want to call them, and just creating more of a space for women to be interviewed and heard, and also bringing light to female and women biohacking, women's biohacking in general, which is a very male-dominated industry and place. And so that's what these episodes are going to be about. And today is exactly that. We get into PCOS and we get into blood sugar regulation and how it can be the root cause for a lot of different health issues and concerns and struggles that people have. So you're going to hear from Danielle Hamilton. She is a blood sugar expert and she kind of gets into all of this, but she has a personal story with PCOS as do I. And it was interesting just kind of understanding our differences. And we kind of go through it a bit about how it can look so different for different people and how PCOS is a syndrome and a spectrum. And just because you know somebody who has PCOS and they might have certain symptoms doesn't mean that yours looks like that or will look like that in the future. The interesting thing that I have realized with PCOS is that it changes over time and you could have a flare up of a symptom and then it can decrease and then a different symptom can flare up. And it's just kind of this cascade that you have to navigate. And honestly, it's pretty complicated. So she provides a lot of light in this space and really just talks about how blood sugar is so important for this in terms of regulating it in different ways. So I've done this, like there was a while where I was pricking my fling, my finger and testing with a ketone tester, like a reader. And it was also testing my fasting glucose in the morning. And now I've been tested. I had my insulin tested a lot, actually, when we did think I had PCOS, it was tested quite a bit. And then I got my glucose, my fasting glucose tested with inside tracker, which I absolutely love. So Inside Tracker has actually added insulin to their biomarker list that they do. So if you were here listening to this and you're like, okay, I kind of resonate with this podcast episode, I need to get tested. I would do something like Inside Tracker personally because not only are they going to look at your glucose and your insulin, but they're going to look at 46 other different biomarkers. So you're going to get your testosterone looked at. You're going to get your DHEA looked at, which is typically high for women with PCOS. You're going to get minerals, hormones, and a bunch of other things looked at. So it's a very comprehensive analysis and report that you get, which is why I do it. I'm actually up for a new test, so I really need to get it done. And if you want to try and get tested, they come to your house. It's very easy. It's a blood test and you can use my discount code. I think it's biohacking, Brittany in all capitals. And it's also linked on my show notes and on my website. And I also just want to briefly talk about Bioptimizers. They have so many different great products. I talk about their sleep products a lot because sleep is really important to me right now. I love their sleep powder. It is. It has the precursors to melatonin. So this is really important 
It doesn't just have melatonin that makes you feel groggy. It has all the different nutrients in there that make you feel good and make you fall asleep without you feeling groggy or not being able to wake up easily the next morning. I also take their magnesium, their digestive enzymes, and they just sent me their probiotics. And that is the one that I'm taking as well. So my husband also takes those. He takes the magnesium probiotics and the digestive enzymes when he eats food that's like typically not as nourishing as we like. So that's kind of what we do with inside with uh, bioptimizers. And I think they're great. And they actually also just released the book. So they have this massive book that just came out. It's called the nutrition Bible. This is a big read. So if you're nerding out on nutrition, you definitely want to get this book and check it out. There is so much scientific research in there. So much information and definitely something that we should all take a look at and use as a solid resource. And the other thing I do want to mention from this podcast episode is that we talk about desk treadmills quite a bit towards the end. So definitely stay tuned and listen to that. I'm going to link the one that I'm going to buy today. (laughs) She convinced me to buy one and I kind of feel stupid for not owning one, to be honest. When I think about the benefits of having a walking treadmill underneath my desk at home, like why wouldn't I have one? You know, they're 300 bucks and you can walk as many hours as you want. And right now I'm really trying to be active and be more active. So that is something that's really important to me. And I will link the one that I buy for my from my Canadian Amazon account and my US Amazon account. So you can take a look at that. Because these are the types of things that I personally buy what other people get. Like there's some things where I'll just buy the cheapest version and I don't necessarily care. But things like this, I actually care about what other people recommend. Is it noisy? Is it loud? Is it comfortable? Is it easy to walk on? Is it Bluetooth? Is it high in EMF? All of these things. So I will link that in the show notes for you to check out. Stay tuned on my Instagram stories. I think it gets delivered this weekend. This is the last weekend in October when this comes out. And I will post about it for sure, for sure, because I definitely need one of these. And if you're thinking about getting a stand-up desk just randomly, I got mine from Ikea. I did not get a fancy one. So I have mine from Ikea. It is white. It's a corner one. So it's kind of like an L. And it is automatically operated. So it's not manual. We had a manual one for a while, but it's automatically operated. And I am obsessed with it. I love it. I use it all the time to stand. I stand a lot during my podcast episodes because it's more energizing. And yeah, I think it's great. Obviously, you get really beautiful ones out there. But for me, at the time when I bought this a few years ago, it was kind of just like what I could afford at the time and what I needed. So yeah, that's going to be my new office setup is like stand-up desk, treadmill, sitting a bit, treadmill, stand-up desk, moving, changing positions on the body, especially as winter rolls around and I'm walking outside less. And my step count, I think, does go down in the winter. So I'm excited to see how I feel around this time as well. And I guess I have to wear indoor shoes now that I'm thinking about it as well with this treadmill. I have the Lululemon shoes that are fantastic. If you're ever in the the need for a new gym shoe, the Lululemon ones are really, really good. So I forget which ones I have. I think I have the 
all trainers, like the ones that you can run with or you can lift with. I got the one that was like in the middle and it's really good. I actually have two pairs. So that's my little snippet with Lulu. Not that I am an affiliate with Lulu because that would be amazing. However, I did used to work at Lululemon quite a long time ago. Anyway, so enjoy this podcast episode. I hope you learn a lot about blood sugar regulations. There's a bunch of good tips in here and tricks for you to manage it and get it under control. You can follow me on Instagram at biohackingbrittany or TikTok at biohacking. I want to do a quick shout out to the review this week. Thank you so much. This is from Jackie Emma, 1980. She's in Great Britain. And she says, I love this podcast. Brittany is always so informed on the different subjects and asks her guests great questions, which makes for really valuable and helpful episodes. She's honest about her own health journey, which is refreshing and relatable. Her tips and advice are easy to put into practice and genuinely helpful. And that was titled Honest and Informative. Always a great listen. So thank you so much for that. That means a lot. I love reading all of your reviews. If you have a second and you can leave a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that would be great. Enjoy this podcast episode and I will catch you on Tuesday for another one. Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am so happy that you are listening this week to another episode. Today, we are diving into women's health, including PCOS and blood sugar with the expert and my special guest, Danielle Hamilton, who is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner and a renowned blood sugar expert. She's had quite the health journey, and I don't want to take anything away from it or give anything away. So Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So I would love for you to dive deep into your personal journey of how you kind of gained, got to this place where you are a blood sugar expert. Like, how did you, <laughs> what happened and how did you get to that point? Yeah. I'd love to talk about that, especially because I'm sure there's people listening being like, blood sugar, this doesn't sound fun or this doesn't pertain to me. And I was that person my whole life. I really actively avoided learning about blood sugar because I thought, Hey, I'm not diabetic. I don't have to care about this. And then meanwhile, I was at the root of all of my issues. So to rewind, to start from the beginning, I was just, you know, one of those kids who loved sugar and like breakfast cereals and Eggo waffles and toaster strudels that made up like 95% of my diet <laughs> were processed breakfast foods. And needless to say, I was a kid who was very sickly, lots of colds and strep throat and ear infections and antibiotics all the time. And then when I got into high school, I had to get my tonsils out because I got strep throat six times in a year. The next year I went to college and that's where I developed seasonal allergies. And I started to get exercise-induced asthma. I was gaining weight. I had really horrible skin, lots of acne, which I was on more antibiotics for. And then I went to grad school in Miami where the season for allergies was then all year round. And I was getting allergy testing because I just felt like I was allergic to everything, which it turns out I was. And I was even allergic to palm trees. Like I didn't even know Whoa. that was, <laughs> it, it felt really unfair. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. I was like, okay, do I just need to like walk around in a bubble? Like, what is this? 
So of course, at those visits, I'm like, why do I have such severe allergies? And of course, I was waking up with asthma and everything. And they couldn't really tell me. They're like, well, maybe it's bad luck. Like anyone else in your family have allergies? And I was like, well, my grandma developed allergies later. So it must be that, you know, and I just sort of chalked it up to that. But that never sat well in my body because I once didn't have these issues. So I wanted to be like, well, can I go back to like when I didn't have this? And it didn't seem like that was an option. So I was getting all these allergy shots to try to make me less sensitive to everything. I had to get three shots at a time because I was allergic to so many things. Then a year later, I was developing allergy symptoms again. They tested me again and I needed two more shots because I was developing new allergies and because I wasn't healing the root cause, obviously. And I was on, before that, I was on three prescription medications, two inhalers, five allergy shots that I was giving myself in the stomach every other day. I was just a hot mess, hot mess, early 20s, chronic sinus infections, which my main symptom was of that was that I was always tired. And so I would like drop a pen at work and just start bursting out crying because my stress bucket was just so overflowing. And I was just, I had no energy. And again, this is my early 20s. I'm like, I should be vibrant and full of life. Yet I was really struggling. So by the grace of the universe, I found this book called The Paleo Diet Solution by Rob Wolf. And reading about paleo completely changed my life. I would, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. I was like, oh my gosh, we've been lied to and it's making us sick. And I felt so passionate about that because I'm like, oh my goodness, this was, I was trying to do everything right. Like I was trying to eat the whole wheat bread and and have low fat and have the low fat granola bar. And meanwhile, my brother's is eating, my brother is eating Reese's and Twix bars. And I have the low fat granola bar in my lunch bag and I'm not feeling any healthier. (laughs) And actually he's doing better than I am. So it's like, I felt like I was always trying to do everything right and had nothing to show for it. And so I found paleo and like magic, my allergies went away. My asthma went away, never had another sinus infection again. And I stopped giving myself all those allergy shots. I had no more medications. It was like a miracle. And so again, just wanting to shout it from the rooftops. And so I had a really stressful year the next year and I was still eating paleo, but I started to gain weight and I started to, I had always had a little bit of acne, which was worse at certain times, but it started to get really bad again. I was like, okay, I'm getting older. Shouldn't this be getting better? But it wasn't. I had PMS that was like really bad. I also had PMDD. I used to break up with whoever I was dating the week before my period. I mean, it was really intense. And Then I stopped getting my period altogether for over six months. And I was like, what is happening? My, like I said, I was gaining weight and I couldn't figure out what was happening to me. So of course I went online and I figured out I probably had polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. The only symptoms of that I didn't have was that I wasn't having uh, facial hair growth or hair loss from my head, luckily, but I was having all these other symptoms. And so I was trying to fix it on my own because I had just fixed a lot of stuff. I was always listening to nutrition podcasts and reading nutrition blogs and things which were really popular back in 2012. And I would read about PCOS and they said, don't have gluten, don't have dairy, don't have refined sugar. And I was like, check, check, check. I'm doing paleo. So I'm crossing all those things off the list. Yet 
I wasn't getting better. And so I was like, okay, maybe I just need to paleo harder. And of course, because nothing changed, nothing changed. And I just felt really stuck. And I found myself saying a lot of things like, my body hates me. My body's rebelling on me. Like I didn't know what it wanted. And I, it was hard to feel like, okay, I'm eating healthier than any person in any room I walk into. I'm working out I'm doing yoga. I'm doing all the things yet. I have nothing to show for it. And it was really frustrating. So I decided to go, my mom convinced me basically to go see a mainstream doctor and just get a couple of medications to make my life easier as I work on the root causes. So I go into the doctor and I say, listen, I'm working out and I'm eating healthy and I can't lose weight no matter what I do. And I think I have PCOS. And he goes, well, you do have PCOS. You have to lose weight. You have to take the pill and there's no cure. I was like, whoa. Like, did I just pay you for that advice? Because that was pretty rough. So I walked out of there. He forced me to take a script of the pill with me and I ripped it up when I got in my car and thus was more motivated than ever to figure this out on my own. And so I did take spironolactone and metformin, which should have cued me in for the blood sugar thing, but it didn't because again, I didn't know anything about that at that time. So I sort of had it at bay for a little while and was still just still trying to figure out what the heck is causing this PCOS. And it wasn't until I heard this podcast one day, I was listening to a podcast about fasting with Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. And Megan said, PCOS is the diabetes of the ovaries. And I almost drove my car off the road because I was like, hold the phone. This has to do with blood sugar. I was like, no one ever told me that. No one told me that. And so all of a sudden I was like, okay, blood sugar. What what do I know about it? Uh, Nothing. Nothing at all. I, I didn't know anything about diabetes, didn't know anything about blood sugar because it was boring and complicated. So I just didn't want to learn about it, you know? So I had to go back to the books. I went back to all these books that I had referenced, had referenced before for other things and then finally opened this blood sugar chapter. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have so many symptoms of blood sugar issues, but there are things that I thought were my personality. Like, I used to say, I don't have a sweet tooth. All my teeth are sweet. (laughs) I used to wake up shaky and be like, oh, I'm just a breakfast person. And that's why I need to eat when I wake up. And that's why I hate fasting blood work. It's like, no, sweetheart, you're hypoglycemic. But I didn't know that. So I was also the girl who used to carry, you know, granola bars in my purse or a Lara bar when I went paleo. And that I thought that was just because like, I'm a foodie, like I like to eat and you know, I like snacks and I was a snacker and I was, I was a grazer, all these different terms. I'm a a coffee addict, like all these things that we use to describe ourselves that have nothing to do with our personality because they're actually blood sugar issues. One of the most common ones I hear of that is hangry, right? Like, oh my gosh, I'm so hangry. Hashtag hangry. My daughter's hangry, just like her mama. Like I see this on Instagram all the time. People send me these things. And it was like, that was me too, but I didn't realize that was a sign of blood sugar issues. So I realized, oh my goodness, my lack of ability to go long periods without eating. Like I was always just putting something in my mouth and my blood sugar on these tests, I I looked back on my blood sugar 
And the fasting glucose was 60. And it was like, oh, no wonder why I almost passed out at that appointment because I was obviously not, you know, fat adapted at that time, total sugar burner and was really hypoglycemic. And no one, not one of the doctors said anything to me. I was there. I went to three different specialists to get fasting blood work to see what was happening. And not one of them said anything to me about my blood sugar. So my point of saying that is that this is something that we need to, you know, figure out on our own. And I think people in the biohacking space are very much, you know, taking their health into their own hands. So luckily I don't feel like I need to convince anyone of that, but it's, you know, our doctors are looking for progressed pre-diabetes or diabetes, maybe pre-diabetes. And it's because they don't have any tools to help reverse it or prevent it from happening. All they have are blood sugar lowering medications. So someone like me who had a blood sugar of 60, what was the doctor going to do? Nothing. <laughs> like they, they didn't have anything to tell me to do. They would probably just tell me to eat more frequently, which would drive my blood sugar up and then make me pre-diabetic or diabetic over time. So it was, yeah, it's a mess out there in the mainstream world, but I was lucky enough to be able to go back to nutritional therapy school, learn how to heal my own body. And for a period of time, I did a ketogenic diet. I did circadian aligned intermittent fasting, and I completely healed and reversed my PCOS. I have no symptoms of it anymore. My periods are regular. I have no PMS, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> I, I just thought that, you know, a period should come with like a pint of Ben and Jerry's and like, you know, a box of tissues. <laughs> like I just thought that's yeah. how they should be packaged. Right. And it's like, oh my goodness, it's possible to not have PMS. That's crazy. And, you know, my skin is clear at a healthy weight. I mean, all these things that I never thought could happen for me have happened. And yeah, those, those therapeutic protocols were really helpful and I don't have to eat that way all the time. And it's great. So that's my story. Nice. <laughs> I, I love that. I think we can all relate to it in different places. And I think it's just so interesting hearing about the complicated journey, right? Like it wasn't easy. It wasn't like I had this one issue and then I went to this one naturopath and they told me to do this and then I figured it out. It was like, no, you went back to the drawing board so many times and you actually didn't get answers for so long. So it's encouraging to people on one hand, because sometimes it does take multiple times and multiple practitioners that you work with, or it simply takes a podcast that you listen to that you're like, oh, wait a minute, that's actually what's going on here. Why did I not think of that? Why has no one told me that? And that's why I personally love podcasts because I just think there's like this beautiful way to educate people in a long form content very easily. So I understand. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I've talked about this on my show before, but I had like a mild PCOS scare in 2020. And so I relate to a lot of kind of what you were saying. My symptoms were quite different and my blood sugar was actually completely fine. But with PCOS, there are multiple like ways that you can be diagnosed with it. It's not like as simple, to be honest. It's more of like a syndrome. And so you can have, there's different ways that people go about diagnosing it. But for me, it was like I had cysts on my ovaries and I had irregular cycles. And so that's why they thought that I'd have PCOS. Anyway, needless to say, the way that I kind of reversed it as well, or kind of put it into remission 
was very similar to you, even though my blood sugar was normal or good, was more of a holistic lifestyle that I had to adopt. So a lot of stress management, sleeping properly, getting enough exercise, eating paleo, which I was doing beforehand, taking the right supplements as well, and certain supplements that help with female hormones, like DIM and things like that. And it was a whole journey in itself, honestly, but through learning about it, I was like, you know, my symptoms went away as well, but it just goes to show that with PCOS, it's complicated. And I don't think, I know there's people out there who specialize about it, but I don't think there's any like one case fits everybody with PCOS because every single time I hear someone's PCOS story, it's just so different. All right. I know that so many of us struggle with our hormones. We have a lot of confusion around our menstrual cycles, ovulation, having our periods, regulating it, and really just minimizing the symptoms that we often deal with. I have been there. I've had a mild PCOS diagnosis. I have had irregular cycles since I've been off birth control. I've had a ovarian cyst. And honestly, I've been through a lot when it comes to hormones in the last few years. So out of that, I really taught myself about cycle syncing. And this is the idea that during different phases of the cycle, we are doing different things. We are eating different foods, taking different supplements or drinking different teas for the nutrients, exercising differently in response to where our hormones are at at that time. And through living in this ebb and flow of our cycle, we can actually feel better. We can look better. Our hormones are happier. We're mentally better. We can sleep better. And this is exactly what I found. So I took everything that I did. I put it into an easy peasy guide for you. It's called the ebb and flow cycle guide. It's on my website. Go and grab it right now. This is literally going to solve all of your hormone issues. I'm not kidding. It's so, so good. And it's so easy to read as well. I also added in a part about seed cycling because I know so many of you are interested in seed cycling as well. So that means what seeds do we take during which phase of the cycle? These seeds have different phytonutrients in it that can help with the different hormones during the different phases. And I've also included over 30 recipes that are super tasty as a bonus. So These recipes are designed for the different phases. So you can have certain ones during your period, during ovulation and things like that. And of course, I included biohacks. I included which biohacks to do around ovulation to optimize that, how to optimize your menstrual cycle or your menstruation during your period and everything like that. Everything from castor oil packs to acupuncture to red light therapy to healing baths that that I love. That is what I did. So this is my ebb and flow cycle guide. You can grab it on my website right now, biohackingbrittany.com. Go for it. And I hope you really enjoy it. There's been over 500 that have been bought already, which is so amazing to see. And I'm just so thankful that I get to help women with their hormones and on their health journey. Is that, is that been your experience as well? Yeah, I agree. And there's different causes for it. I think it's because PCOS is like this catch-all term for certain hormonal imbalances. And hormones are just, they're such a 
like a complicated downstream symptom of so many potential underlying root causes that can be out of balance. And so I think everyone has this different flavor of PCOS, so to speak. And I talk about like flavors of insulin resistance, which can be driving some people's PCOS. So my flavors of insulin issues were that I had PCOS and skin issues and was overweight and what used to get hypoglycemic and shaky between meals and things like that. Other people might have be a normal weight and maybe they have a lot of gut issues and inflammation and maybe they have debilitating migraines and brain fog and PCOS. So there's all different potential issue. It's very, it's like a a quilt. There's so many, like a kaleidoscope of symptoms. So everyone is super different, but I do find that even if blood sugar is okay, our insulin can be rising for decades before we see a change in blood sugar. And so that's where I think a lot of people can get, can be missed. And also the doctors are not, like I said, testing these ranges it's like, oh yeah, your blood sugar, your fasting blood sugar is 92. Like that's fine. I personally don't think that number is fine. I'm not saying you didn't have good blood sugar. I'm just talking more in generalities where the, if we're getting the, the okay from the doctor, I look at that with a raised eyebrow because to me, it's a little sus because they are not using the same range as I do in my practice. And like I said, they're not testing for insulin. And that is usually the root cause of the PCOS is higher insulin levels, which in women drive high androgen levels. And so that was also at the root of like my acne, you know, driving those high androgens. So this can be something usually with PCOS, there is an insulin resistance component as well as an inflammatory component. And sometimes that inflammation is coming from these blood sugar spikes that we have. And then some people more have that like HPA axis type PCOS. And I will say I'm not a PCOS expert or specialist. I'm more specialized in blood sugar and insulin. So it's, do you know which type of PCOS you had, Brittany? Honestly, it was never... Like the discussion I had with my doctor in 2020 wasn't even that in depth. It was like, you have PCOS, I'm going to refer you to a fertility clinic, like Sayonara type of vibe. There was no discussion of insulin or, or at least with her, there's no discussion of like different types at that point. And I only realized that there were different types through my own research. And yeah. And so I get tested like privately because- the doctors, especially here in Canada, like a lot of the time they don't give you the tests that you ask for. So I get tested with a company called Inside Tracker and I've been doing it a few years with them. And I usually do it every quarter or maybe twice a year. And they test fasting glucose and then they just added insulin to it as well. And then they also test your other hormones as well. So it's been helpful to be able to track like androgens to see if that spikes as well. But I think what you're saying is true. There are different ways that you can have PCOS. And it just sucks when someone says, hey, you have PCOS, because like you said, it's a catch-all term. And that actually is like debilitating because then you feel like, what am I supposed to do? I don't know which kind I have. I don't know how to heal it because there's so many different ways and so many opinions online. And it's so confusing. And I remember when I first, someone first said that to me, I like blacked out at the doctor's office because 
I was so upset and I just couldn't believe that this was happening to me. And um, I really just had to take it upon myself to make a complete like life change to reverse it. Yeah. And I think that if someone is sort of blindsided by a PCOS diagnosis, the most helpful thing would probably be to go back to the foundations and first off, not identify with that diagnosis because it can, it really can be this like temporary state of hormonal issues. And yes, it can be something that we may have to really be careful with our lifestyles because it may, you know, a lot of people will say like, oh, well, is your PCOS really healed? Like if you went back to doing what you were doing, wouldn't you have it again? I, and I mean, it's that I feel like that's just a weird question. It's like, why would I go back to doing what I was doing? Because that was making me sick. So it just doesn't seem like a like a normal thing. But honestly, I started reincorporating things like carbohydrates again. And no, I don't have PCOS. So I do believe that there has been this like deep healing that's happened. And now I actually have low testosterone, which is just crazy because, you know, from someone who had higher androgens to have low testosterone, which is now the reverse of that and what I'm working on now. So I think that we it's something we don't want to get so hung up on, but it can give us perhaps that, that drive to like do something about it because as humans for the most part, and again, maybe there's total exceptions of like people listening to the show, but for the most part as humans, we only make changes when we are suffering enough and the pain of change it actually outweighs the pain of staying the same. So where we're like, okay, we have to change because humans, we don't want to change. And so we want to do with whatever we can get away with, so to speak. And so most of us won't really make changes until we're really suffering. And that's okay. That's human nature, right? So that's why a lot of us in this health space, we've had our own journeys and we've had to work back from that. Most of us don't start with, oh, my health was great. And I just wanted to help other people. It's like, no, my health (laughs) hit the fan and I needed to figure it out. And now I learned all these things in the process and now I want to help other people. So that's sort of how it goes. So if you get this diagnosis of PCOS, first, we have to remember that it's not very specific. So we have to go back to all these foundational things in our lifestyle. One of those is our blood sugar because our metabolism, our blood sugar is so foundational for our entire health. And one of the things I didn't know about blood sugar was that it affects every single cell, organ, and process in our bodies so that if our blood sugar is not working for us, if we're having these swings of blood sugar, if it's going too high, if it's dipping too low, then we will not feel well in the short term. It's affecting all of our cells and organs and processes. So we might have issues with a lot of issues with our brain, which is a very primary consumer of energy. So we might feel dizzy, shaky, hangry, anxious between meals, have difficulty concentrating, brain fog, memory issues. And then as the blood sugar issues get worse, so too do these symptoms. So instead of maybe dealing with, oh, I have a little bit of anxiety if my meal is skipped versus now I have a full-blown anxiety disorder and I'm getting medicated versus, and then we could do the same thing with like brain fog. Oh, sometimes I get brain fog or headaches. And then now it's like a full-blown early cognitive impairment 
plus migraines, right? So all the symptoms just get worse as the blood sugar issues progress over years and decades because they're most often not caught early. We can say this for all, we can literally go down the body and point to every organ and see how blood sugar and insulin issues can impact that. So with our heart, diabetes, leading cause of heart disease, we know insulin resistance drives high blood pressure with our stomach and our gut. Our sugar obviously drives imbalances of bad bacteria with our gallbladder. Insulin resistance slows gallbladder motility. We know that high sugar is going to impact our liver. So many people have fatty liver now. It impacts our adrenals, which is one of the major organs of blood sugar regulation. So we, of course, they impact each other, but these lows in blood sugar or these high spikes really stress out the adrenals, causing the adrenals to have to pump us with stress hormones, leaving them depleted. And then it impacts the the fertility system, it it impacts our energy, it impacts our hunger, it impacts our sleep, it impacts our hormones. Blood sugar is such a foundational piece that so many of us can dial it in. There's a new figure, which is, I feel not even, not even high as it should be, but they say that over 88% of adults are not metabolically healthy. And I would venture to say that it's much higher than that even. And so there's just a very small percentage of people who really do have optimal metabolic health. And so it's so rare that it is a really good place to start because it can help reduce inflammation because every time we get a blood sugar spike, it drives inflammation. Every time we get a blood sugar crash, we're getting pumped with stress hormones, right? And so then we're draining stress hormones are anti-inflammatory, but then we're draining our body of that overall. And so it's a really, really good place to start. The hardest thing for me is to shut off my mind at night when I want to sleep. And it is funny because I, I wake up tired already thinking of when I'll go back to bed and on the exact moment I lay my head on the pillow, it feels like a machine of crazy. What if thoughts is turned on? Does this ever happen to you? Let me tell you my secret to deal with this. You have already heard of magnesium breakthrough by bioptimizers, which I talk about all the time and how it's great for sleep and promoting calmness and relaxation. What I found out is that the brains behind magnesium breakthrough have taken it to the next level with a product specifically designed for sleep. And it is called sleep breakthrough. And it has been a total game changer for me. Sleep breakthrough is a delicious pre-bed drink that combines the power of magnesium with other natural ingredients like valerian root to help us fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and wake up feeling refreshed. Since I started taking Sleep Breakthrough, I've been waking up feeling well-rested, energized, and ready to tackle the day ahead. I highly recommend giving it a try. Trust me, it really works. This is exactly what I take, especially on the nights when I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't fall back to sleep. I will take one scoop of this in my water, and then I'm asleep within a half hour. You can visit sleepbreakthrough.com slash biohackingbrittany in order now. And in addition to this, you can use my promo code biohackingbrittany and you will get extra gifts at purchase that are secret and you have to go to the page to find out what those are. So sleepbreakthrough.com slash biohackingbrittany to get your sleep breakthrough and enjoy. I love that. I think that's so helpful. And I'm so glad that you explained how important blood sugar is, not just for PCOS, but for all of these other conditions that we have. I think like you said, there's so much to say about like learning how to balance it. 
not just in the meal itself, like not just in the food in terms of macros, but also the timing of when you're eating. Are you exercising after you eat? When are you exercising? Everything like that. So I'd love for you to walk us through your typical like top recommendations for all of the people listening who potentially have PCOS, but potentially have blood sugar irregularities or just want to optimize that in general. Like what can we do on a day-to-day basis that's actually going to make a difference? You know, like not just sometimes we see these like supplements that are like, oh, take this one thing and it'll, it'll fix your insulin and your blood glucose. And it's like, no, I want to know what should I be doing? What are the practices I should be doing? Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up supplements at the beginning because I will say that with blood sugar specifically, I I first off, I love supplements. I think they could be really helpful. However, with blood sugar specifically, there are almost, there's not a lot of supplements that will really make huge, huge changes if you're not doing all the other things. So supplements are very, very, very secondary or tertiary when it comes to optimizing our blood sugar. It really has so much to do with our food, with our sleep, with our stress. Those are the top three areas, I guess, that we need to dial in when it comes to our blood sugar. So starting with food, because that's a I'm a nutritionist and that's the best place to start. When it comes to building a plate, one of the most important things that we can do is really prioritize protein. And I think a lot of people are hearing this and they're like, okay, I got the protein down. I'm making sure I have at least 30 grams of protein at a meal. So protein is king when it comes to blood sugar, when it comes to regulating our hunger, reducing cravings, helping us go from one meal to the next. So we don't have to snack in between, which by the way, is not good for our blood sugar. There's, i truly believe there's no such thing as a healthy snack because snacking is not healthy. And there's a lot of people, I work with a ton of people who have reactive hypoglycemia or hypoglycemia where their blood sugar is dipping between meals. And this would be the only case where I would say, you don't push that out. Don't ride that out. Like you're feeling a blood sugar low. You're feeling dizzy and shaky and anxious and sweating Like, do not try to not snack because Danny said that's not good for your blood sugar. But instead, I want, if that's you, if you fall into that case, then we would have what I call a mini meal in between meals. But we're all the time thinking about how to design our plate so that we can go longer between meals. So with protein, we want to focus on really high quality animal protein. And when it comes to our blood sugar, especially if you're in that hypoglycemia camp, where your blood sugar is dropping, focusing on fatty proteins is even better because it lean protein can still give us a little bit of a blood sugar spike. And for some of us who are extra sensitive, their blood sugar spikes and crashes from like a protein shake because the body is looking so hard for sugar that that gluconeogenesis turning the protein into glucose that process happens more in these sensitive individuals. And so it can lead to a crash. So having fatty proteins like a ribeye, ground beef, lamb, like pulled pork, things like this, eggs with extra yolks, that can be super helpful for stabilizing your blood sugar and helping you go longer between meals. And the red meat also has a high concentration of carnitine in it, which helps us burn fat more efficiently for fuel. And that can be really helpful for all those low blood sugar people helping them get from one meal to another. But if you don't struggle with the low blood sugar, then 
having animal protein, any type of animal protein, getting enough of it is step one. Super, super important. And I recommend eating all your protein on your plate until you literally can't take another bite of protein. And the reason for this is because we have this protein set point in our body that our protein is what our body uses to build everything, to repair, to build organs, to build hormones, to build neurotransmitters. So we need all this protein to build stuff. And then the fat and the carbs, those are energy sources. So the protein is so, so important that your body's always looking for it and will cause you to feel hungry until you reach that protein threshold. So it, if you fill up on protein, your body will be like, oh, I don't want to have one more bite of steak. I am fully, fully done with the steak. But you can look at the rest of your plate and be like, actually, I do have a little space for the broccoli and the sweet potato, just not the steak. Like, have you ever had that happen where you just like so full of the protein, but there's room for a dessert, there's room for something else, right? So this is one of my favorite strategies for stabilizing blood sugar. The next step would be adding fat. And that is something that most people sort of forget on a low carb diet. They're like, okay, I know I need to lower my carbs and I know protein's important. So I'm just going to have chicken breast and broccoli. And it's like, but there's no energy there. There's just fiber and protein. So we need to, if we're dropping one energy source of carbs, we have to increase the other one, which is fat. And so the fat is like a log on the fire. It burns low and slow and gives us this long lasting, stable energy that has no impact on our glucose levels and actually helps to stabilize them. So it's really, really helpful for our blood sugar. And fiber is another thing in the form of like non-starchy vegetables can be another great strategy to, of course, fiber for our gut microbiome, but also to help slow the absorption of the sugar into the system. And then we come to carbs. So carbs, of course, we'd want to eat them in our in their whole and natural form. So like how they grew from the ground. So a flower is not how it grew from the ground, right? It's been processed in some form and by any form of processing is going to cause the carbohydrate to spike our blood sugar faster because it's taking out fiber. It's taking out water. So if we dry mango, dried mango spikes your blood sugar worse than regular mango. Apple juice is worse than a regular apple. Potato chip is worse than a potato. Rice cake is worse than rice. You get, you catch my drift here, right? So we want those whole natural forms of the carbohydrates. But then if someone has PCOS and someone is probably relating to some of those blood sugar symptoms I mentioned, overweight, anything like that you're very likely dealing with an insulin-based PCOS and you'll really, really want to think about trying a ketogenic diet for optimizing your ability of your metabolism to burn fat for fuel because so many of us have lost this capability. We can only burn sugar for fuel and we can't switch back and forth and so what happens is that this, these high insulin levels, what they do is they block the body from seeing or utilizing any stored fuel. So we have stored sugar in our liver called glycogen, and we have stored body fat. And we should be able to use that when the energy from our meal gets used up. So if I ate a meal like three hours, four hours ago, and I'm completely done, burned through that meal my liver should just secrete a little bit of sugar to keep me stable and it should be no problem. But when we have high insulin levels, this doesn't happen. 
And we can't burn our body fat because our body's in this like fat storage mode. That's what high insulin levels are. So what happens is that we are dependent on intaking a steady stream of carbohydrates to keep our blood sugar up. And so we'll feel hungry every couple of hours. And so we have to eat because our body can't utilize the stored fuel. And that's that conundrum we get into of like having to snack, having to be on this blood sugar roller coaster all the time, which only drives our blood sugar and insulin issues to be worse. So we have to get those insulin levels down. That's really, really important. And one of the best ways to do this is a therapeutic ketogenic diet. And I don't recommend it overnight. And I really recommend to work with someone to know if it's right for you and know how to do it properly. Because there's a lot of people that don't do it properly. You really need to test, ensure you're in ketosis and not just quote, eat a bunch of meat and think that you're in doing (laughs) like you have to be in nutritional ketosis, not like you have to be testing. It's not a diet. It's a state of the metabolism. And then that is really important because what I find is that for people like me and who have a similar disposition, if we're doing these healthy fats and then we add some carbs to that mix, it causes a lot of weight gain and it causes more issues because we have too much fuel. And so if you're super active and all these things, that's probably a different story. But for the average person who's not in CrossFit or doing all these heavy lifting, you know, sessions and things like that, most of us do really well for a period of time to do ketosis. And that, and I said, period of time, keto is never an end point. It is only a therapeutic protocol. We only want to be there while we need it. And we can cycle in and out of it eventually once we're very keto adapted. So then we get the benefits and I could talk about the times in our cycle in a bit, but then Intermittent fasting is another really great strategy, but I see people doing this all wrong, especially cycling women. And I see a lot of people thinking intermittent fasting equals skipping breakfast. And I just want to say it does not mean skipping breakfast. And I do not recommend you skip breakfast because when you skip breakfast, you're causing your body to rely on cortisol and stress hormones to get you through until lunch when the morning is when most of us need most of our energy. So we're forcing ourselves to run on stress hormones and that will dysregulate all our other hormones. It will also cause us to shift our eating window back too far. So then we're eating, let's say from 12 to 8 p.m. And then we're eating way too late in the day. We don't wanna be eating a big meal at 8 p.m. because we're going to sleep a couple of hours later. So our insulin also doesn't work as well at night, especially after the sun goes down. So this is something, this is where we start to get into these circadian recommendations to work on other hormones, like all these hormones that govern our circadian rhythm, like melatonin and leptin and cortisol. So we don't need to go into that, but I will just tell you the the tips that you need to know is that we don't want to be backloading our calories to the end of the day. We want to be setting ourselves up for success by eating within an hour of waking. And then if we want to fast, we can just push our dinner earlier or even do a skip dinner. And again, if you're struggling with hypoglycemia, I do not recommend to jump into keto or do any sort of fasting. If you're struggling with those low blood sugar dips, come work with me and we'll, uh, I'll get you fixed up so that you can do this because oftentimes they're They need these things, but are kind of like too sick for the medicine, so to speak. So 
Intermittent fasting, hugely powerful tool for regulating our hunger, for reducing inflammation, and for also helping us to kind of lower some of, I don't like to talk about calories, but for some people who have that, like we're coming in, we have insulin resistance, probably leptin resistance. We're eating these meals that are too big. We feel insatiable. It can help us to modulate how much we're eating. um, And that can be really helpful for some people. So again, we want to front load that, that intermittent fasting, really important. And then when it comes to Okay, so circadian rhythms, we also want to focus on our sleep. We want to make sure that we're blocking blue light at night. So this is a good community to talk to about that because I think you guys are all behind that. That Because the reason being the the connection between blood sugar and blue light is that blue light increases cortisol and cortisol increases blood sugar. So we have this direct connection between blue light at night and it driving up cortisol, driving up blood sugar. A lot of people tell me they wake up with high blood sugar, which is called the dawn phenomenon. And if they block blue light at night, their blood sugar in the morning is better. And it's amazing. You could see it after just one night, some people. And so it's really, really powerful. And so eating well before bed, because we don't want to be digesting late. We want to be, because when we eat, that's also going to increase cortisol a little bit, and that's going to counteract melatonin. So we want melatonin to come in really strong at night because sleep is also super essential for good blood sugar. Blood sugar and sleep have a bi-directional relationship. So that means if we have bad blood sugar, we're not going to sleep well. And then if we don't sleep well, it's going to cause us to have worse blood sugar as much as like even just the next day. So then when we wake up, we want to see sunrise and set that timing of the circadian clock so that our body knows what time it is. So it knows what to do when we can't just have like all our hormones come out at once. We need to have these triggers of our environment telling us what time to do certain things. So seeing sunrise is really important for setting us up with better hormone balance, eating within an hour of waking, eating only at mealtimes if we can, and prioritizing protein and healthy fats, and really minimizing carbs at first if we're trying to heal PCOS. Those would be my top tips for better blood sugar. Oh, I forgot one, movement. Moving is super important. The more muscle we have, the better insulin insulin sensitive we will be, which is what we want. About 80% of our meals of the sugar in our meals goes straight to our muscles. So if we have more muscles, we have more space for that sugar to go. And so any activity that's going to build muscle is going to be good for our blood sugar. So if you have PCOS or insulin resistance or any sort of blood sugar issue that is not too heavy on the adrenal side where you can't work out or your blood sugar is crashing, I work with those people too, then you want to work on building muscle. And the best time to work out when it comes to our blood sugar is right after our meal. So even if we schedule in our walks right to break them up throughout the day, so we're walking right after our meals, that would be ideal. So movement after meals can help us to utilize the glucose we just put in the system so that we don't get these blood sugar spikes and our, they could go straight to powering our muscles. Really, really important. Are you tired of generic health advice that doesn't take your unique needs into account? 
Do you want to gain a deeper understanding of your health beyond the surface level recommendations? I want to talk to you about Inside Tracker's ultimate plan, the answer to your personalized health questions. With comprehensive blood biomarker analysis, it provides tailored insights into your body's needs. The ultimate plan tests up to 48 different blood biomarkers, including ApoB, cholesterol, glucose, magnesium, cortisol, vitamin D, and insulin. This comprehensive analysis extends your lifespan or health span and guides you to a longer and healthier life. Inside Tracker goes beyond generic clinically normal ranges to unveil your body's unique optimal biomarker zones, revealing where you're optimized and where your improvements can be made. They have science-backed recommendations on nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle, and are all personalized to your body's data, helping you reach optimal biomarker zones and achieve your wellness goals. Now with insulin testing included, you'll have the key to sustained energy and an early warning system for chronic diseases. This is actually really important. High insulin levels can increase the risk of conditions like heart disease, Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes, obesity, and more. Inside Tracker's measurements and recommendations can help you maintain healthy insulin levels. So are you ready to control your health in a new and personalized way? This is the test that I do every few months and I am obsessed with it. And I change my healthy habits and my nutrition and my supplements based off of this data. You can go to insidetracker.com slash biohacking with Brittany and you will get 20% off. You can use my discount code biohackingbrittany. It's linked on my website and linked in the show notes. So definitely check that out if you want to do an at-home blood biomarker test that looks at over 48 different biomarkers for you so that you can start optimizing your health today. Yeah, I just agree with everything that you said. I think it's so important to really take such a holistic approach to this. And like you said, like sleep, movement, food, how we're pairing our food. Like, I just think those are so important and it's like basic, but it actually is things that work. And the more you do it every day and it becomes part of your healthy routine, the more benefit you get from it. And so even though it might seem simple or maybe not like sexy, right? But it's a lot of the time, it's like these free biohacks or whatever you want to call them are actually the most effective thing. Like they are proven and it's what we've been doing as humans for how long that there's so much we just respond so well to it because it's so it's so ingrained in us, you know? And I think it's hard now because society, the way that we are, especially in Western society, it doesn't necessarily promote this environment that is conducive to optimally healthy living, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like even for myself, I work from home and I sit all day and I have Girl, to- you gotta get a treadmill. I just bought a treadmill, best purchase I've made. No way, an under the desk treadmill. It will, and this is for anybody who works from home, who works at an office. I sit all, I used to sit all day. Right now I'm standing doing this podcast because now I have a standing desk to accommodate the treadmill. And what a difference to sit, stand and walk in a day. I get so many more steps, but yeah, most of us are sitting all day long. And if you think about it, we don't need a lot of energy if we're sitting all day long. So most of us are so over-consuming energy in the form of carbs and even fat that we're just totally overdoing it for ourselves. But I'm so sorry I cut you off. Really No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. 
I have a standing desk too. And most of the time I do my podcast interviews standing, but I didn't for this one, but because it does make me feel more energized, like you said, but the treadmill desk is like next level. And that's something I should probably look into. I'm curious, like holiday gift, (laughs) good holiday gift. Yeah. I'm curious. Are you able to walk on it and kind of forget that you're walking and focus on your work or do you, okay. So you're walking slow enough. Yeah. I do group coaching calls while I'm walking. I do actual work. I can type while I'm walking and you can get used to walking at faster speeds doing things. And I find it helps me stay more focused. I find my brain works better and I find I'm using my phone less because I don't like using my phone as much when I'm walking on the treadmill. It feels safer to use my computer because I'm kind of like a little more grounded that way. So it keeps me off my phone. It's amazing. And I'm able to, like one of the things I talk about is moving after meals. And a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I can only eat my lunch. And then I have a coaching call right after. And so I can't move this call, but I can walk during my call now. And so now I can really, really like I said, practice what I preach and get this movement in. And I find that my blood sugar is much better when I do it. And I just feel more energized. I've been sleeping better. My HRV is better. So all these things are improving because I'm walking so much more. And I think it's such a good hack. Nice. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Hashtag not sponsored by the treadmill desk. Just Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I just looked at them on Amazon. Like they're not even expensive. Like they're Like 300 bucks. Yeah. So how often during the day are you using it? Like, is it just for a few hours or out of your eight hours? Yeah. Yeah. So I find that I'll probably walk about two-ish hours a day split up. And, you know, if I'm on a coaching call, I might walk for like the first hour and a half. And then I'm like, all right, like that's enough. Cause sometimes I just get too hot in this room, but yeah, I'll walk if, yeah, for just different sprints of time. And I find that I can, I'll walk for half an hour and then another 20 minutes. And yeah, it ends up being about two, two ish hours a day, give or take. Yeah. And then this is like, we're getting so into the weeds here, but I'm just thinking about getting this. And so when you're not using it and you want to sit, like, do you just move it out of the way and then bring your chair back every day? Yeah. My chair okay. is just over there on the side of my office and I'll stack my treadmill either behind me right now. It's laying next to me on the floor. And so, yeah, it's just, it, it ends up working out and I s- honestly don't sit nearly as much. So sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't want to get my chair. I'll just stand instead. And it's, I don't know. I feel like my body doesn't hurt anymore. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I love yes. that. Yeah. Okay. So Yeah. Like my husband and I, we've been working from home since like 2018. So even like before the pandemic and there's so many benefits that come from it, but regardless, like you're still sitting a lot, you're still online a lot. And it's so much like, I have to be so thoughtful of bringing in these healthy practices to counteract the rest of my life. Like sounds ridiculous, but that's true. But it's so true. That's such a, it's such a, that's what biohacking I think is. It is trying to undo the modern lifestyles, negative impact on our bodies. And so, so much of what we recommend for blood sugar is just about all those lifestyle things. It's just getting back into nature and trying to mimic 
nature or block out humanness, right? All the blue, the excess blue lights when we shouldn't have blue lights. So I use this iris software on my computer to turn it red when I'm looking at it. If I don't have my blue blocking glasses on, we go in saunas because we're not, we're always in like a a balmy 70 degrees. I'm sorry. I don't know the Celsius. I know you're in Canada, but like we, it's, we're always temperature controlled. So putting ourselves in heat and cold on purpose is to undo some of that because we normally would have had that if we were living outside, like we evolved to do is live outside. So we're trying to mimic that with biohacking. And I think that people, it just sort of takes a turn for the worse sometimes when people are overdoing things or not customizing things to their gender or their menstruation status. And so that's where it starts to go wrong. Like I have a good friend and she's a huge biohacker. She's like, I I do sauna and cold plunging every night and I don't eat breakfast and I fast uh, until like one. And she's doing all these like quote biohacks, right? She doesn't have a period. And I was like, oh, operation, we're going to get you a period back. I I didn't know she wasn't eating breakfast. So now she's starting to eat breakfast again. She's like, what a game changer. I told her, you know, we have to mimic, like, let's start with using the cycle of the moon to create a cycle for you. So if you have PCOS and you don't have a cycle, use the moon. Like we should be, I don't like to use the word should, but we could be um, menstruating with the new moon and then ovulating with the full moon. So if you want to do that, then you just, okay, my ovulation is coming. So what we want to do during that time, actually, let's back up. So talking about blood sugar strategies and different biohack strategies that we can use at different times of the month to help instead of hurt our hormones would be the first two weeks, day one of the cycle about for those first two weeks, those are the times where we can dive deeper into low carb or keto dial up the intermittent fasting, please don't fast in the morning. Um, And we can do HIIT workouts, we can do lifting weights, like we have so much more resilience, those first two weeks, then ovulation comes. And during those couple of days, if you track your cycle, which you should, then during those days, we want to calm that stuff down. So maybe we want to do a carb up, maybe we want to do yoga classes instead of a HIIT class. So calming those things down. Then that third week, we get a little bit more flexibility. So again, you can either totally come out of ketosis during that week. You could go back into ketosis, minimal intermittent fasting. But then that week before our cycle, this is really where we want to slow things down. Our blood sugar may be worse this week because we have lower estrogen and that will make us more insulin resistant. So it's kind of weird because your blood sugar is the worst, but you also need carbs the most. So just know that your blood sugar is not going to look the best during this time. And to use those other strategies like walking, you can have apple cider vinegar before your meals in a small amount of water to mitigate that blood sugar spike, making sure you're planning your eating in the order that I suggested, the protein, the fibers and the fats, and then the carbs last. And we can do these things to help mitigate those spikes. But this is when our body really does benefit from having some whole food carbohydrates. 
And so having them that week or just a couple of days leading up to the cycle can be really helpful. We want to dial back. We don't want to really do any fasting except like an overnight fast, like 12 to 14 hours maximum. And we want to calm the workouts down. So maybe body weight only, yoga, meditation. We don't want to do cold plunges this week. We don't want to like do these intense long sauna sessions because even though those are healthy things, they are stressors. And so we want to think about reducing the stressors on our body and that those biohacks are included in that. So we want to give our body send signals that we're calm. I'm really loving like restorative yoga classes where you can just go and like lay down on a bolster and just listen to this beautiful music and totally zone out and just be in your body. And so getting reconnected and and going in like going inward is really, really powerful during that time. Instead of thinking about like, Oh, like I eat carbs. Like I need to punish myself for it. It's like, it's okay. If you're holding on to a little bit of bloat that week, like that used to happen to me a lot when I had PCOS, I used to bloat all the time. Luckily that doesn't really happen anymore, but just know that your body is, is cyclical. It's going to change and it's just going to ebb and flow. And if we continue to listen to the patterns of our body and try to mimic this nature and make sure we're getting outside, getting our feet on the earth, getting hot and cold, getting natural sunlight in our eyes as much as possible, even just opening a window if we can, exposing our body to the cold. If you live in Canada and it's fall, start building that cold callus and brown fat. It's so important. And yeah, that will really, really help us to work with our bodies instead of against it where we're just doing the same thing every single day. We are not men. They have a 24-hour cycle. We have a 30-day cycle. And it's really annoying for business because, (laughs) you know, like you want to pump it all day long. You want to just be grinding. And it's like, we have to listen and be like, okay, you know, I have to take this off my plate because it's luteal week. It's the week before my period and I don't have the bandwidth. And if we don't abide by that on our luteal week, then we might have a really rough menstrual week. And so we might feel like, oh, we're dragging where we should be having a lot of energy during that time, but maybe we didn't honor that last week. And I know this very well because it's currently happening to me. (laughs) So (laughs) I went way too hard luteal. And now this week is kind of like kind of dragging. So listening to your body and honoring it in that way can be really, really supportive. I love that. I honestly, I agree so much with that. And I've talked about that a lot on the show. It's just, it's so easy to get caught up in the go, go, go and listening to all of these male figures in the biohacking space or the health optimization space. And you kind of want to do everything that they say, right? Like the cold plunges and the saunas and everything all the time. But so many of the females who I know who are, you know, influencers, whatever they are in this space got burnt out from taking those approaches and taking it too far. So there's something to be said about, yeah, let's live this optimally healthy life, but also we are women and we have cycles and we have hormones that need to be like put first and foremost. And yeah, there's just different things that work better at different times, whether it's fasting or sauna or cold plunge. And that's been something that I've had to learn as well. And I I think it's getting better. I think like discussions like this and general dialogue is much better in the last year or so of like really acknowledging women and how much we need to 
prioritize how we feel and how our bodies are different all the time. So I, I think it is getting better, but I still think that we have quite a while to go. Yeah, I think we do have quite a ways to go as well, but it's nice to see more women in this space speaking out and saying like, we are not small men. We are not built like men. We're totally different. And I learned from Kayla Osterhoff, who is an amazing advocate for women's health. She's phenomenal, but she, I learned from her that we women were not included in studies about health for until the 1990s. We were not included in any scientific research. It's yeah. just like, oh my gosh. I know. Yeah, it was actually 1993 that happened. And that's so those 30 years that we've been included in research. That's it. Which is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So again, it's like, yeah, we're making steps in the right direction, but we still have a very long way to go. And for everybody listening, like when you hear recommendations, whether it's like take this certain amount of supplement or do this certain new protocol that's trending. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe do that, but also take it with a grain of salt and think about how it applies to you specifically and you personally, because it's, it's not just easy. Like we can't just take a subscription and say, Hey, here, everybody do it. It's fine. There's going to be no consequences, but I also see a movement of personalized health coming. And I know there's a lot of people in that space as well who are really breaking down this idea of, you know, one size fits all. So we're on the trajectory for what I want to see. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to just say one thing I forgot to mention that is like my favorite, favorite, favorite tool for blood sugar. And it has to do with personalization is a continuous glucose monitor. So I am a huge fan of these CGMs that are all over the place. If you haven't tried one, I strongly recommend it. I actually have a free program that I just released today, actually, that I'm happy to send your listeners. There's a code. If you use the code sugar-free, you get it totally for free. And it's all about, it's called Sugar Savvy, and it's all about how to test your blood sugar and how to understand what these numbers mean, what to ask your doctor for, what the ranges I use in my practice are, how to use a CGM, like what these numbers mean, what the patterns mean, what the data is telling you. Because a lot of people get these CGMs and they're like, well, I guess, is this good? Like, is this okay? You know, and we can't just use fasting blood glucose and A1C to give us enough information. It just doesn't tell us enough information. It's like saying, oh, do you want to see a movie? It's like, no, I'll just see a picture of it instead. That's like our fasting glucose. It's just a picture in time. It doesn't tell us enough. And then the A1C is an average. What happens if there's highs and lows in our blood sugar? The average is going to look perfect. So it's not telling us enough. So what we want to do is put on these CGMs. They track our blood sugar every hour of the day, like every couple of minutes actually. And we can see the effect of certain meals and lifestyle practices and lack of sleep or a good sleep or sauna or heat or a stressor, we can see all of this in real time and know exactly what our blood sugar is doing, which gives us the tools to be able to say, okay, I went to this amazing paleo restaurant called Picnic here in Austin and everything is gluten-free. So of course I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to eat everything. And I had a piece of their sandwich bread after I had you know, a meal with chicken and, and it was a salad and it had fat and fiber. My blood sugar spiked 
so bad from this. It's just like, oh my goodness. Okay. I guess this isn't a good choice for me. And I even, you know, walked after I had like apple cider I did all the things I talk about, but sometimes something is just an assault to your system. And it's like, okay, my body doesn't want this right now. So now I know next time I go, I'm going to make a different choice. As delicious as that, you know, bread was, it's just not going to happen next time because I felt terrible afterwards. So it allows us to make decisions that are in our best interest, not because we're punishing ourselves, but because most of us have the goal that we want to feel good, right? And sometimes it's like, forget it, I'm having the ice cream. You know, I don't care what it does to my blood sugar, but that's our choice to make. And it's a really good thing if we can know exactly what's going to happen when we eat certain foods and the effect of these things on our bodies, because then that way it's easier to make those changes. I love that. That's such a smart addition. I'm so glad you said that. And honestly, you've provided so many helpful tips today. I think everyone listening has a lot to incorporate and think about and just take home with them to really start optimizing your blood sugar, ideally. So if people want to try your program or listen to your podcast or connect with you, where can they do that? Yeah. So my website is daniellehamiltonhealth.com. I am also on Instagram. I like to make a lot of helpful posts and graphics to help under, help everybody understand this information a little better because like I said, blood sugar is a little confusing and I think that the pictures make it more understandable. I also have a podcast called Unlock the Sugar Shackles and yeah, my program Sugar Savvy, you can get that from Instagram or on my website and we will, or Brittany, I could give you the link and we could put it in the show notes as well and just make sure you use the code sugarfree to get it totally free. Amazing. Yeah. I will definitely put that in the show notes so everybody can check that out. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This was awesome. And yeah, I just learned a lot from you and I'm so inspired by you. Oh, thank you so much. It was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.